0: Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we have a big report to start with here on the pod, 10 years in the making. Now, they weren't technically compiling this data over 10 years, but it is looking at the time period between 2010 and 2020, so it's a decade of data. And let's just say this, if you bought a home in 2010, now, obviously, if you were still holding on to it, you'd be a really good place. Uh, but even in 2020, you are sitting on a pile of cash. So this report from the National Association of Realtors, it is the housing wealth gains for the rising middle class markets report. That's a very key phrase there. Rising middle class. We are going to come back to that. So overall, what did it find between 2010 In 2020, housing wealth increased $8.2 trillion. Not bad. Not bad for a decade. $8.2 trillion. And of course, all income groups benefited from these wealth gains, but some income groups did better. Mostly the top income bracket did the best which no one should be surprised by. High-income homeowners claim 71% of the wealth gains. That equals about $5.8 trillion. Middle-income homeowners claimed 26% of the wealth gains, or $2.1 trillion. And low-income homeowners claim just 4% of those gains at $296 billion, which is still a lot of money. $296 billion. Not bad. Uh, Nationally, a homeowner who purchased a typical single-family home at the median sales price of $162,600 10 years ago is likely to have accumulated $229,400 in housing wealth. Once again, not bad for a decade. Now, the median single-family existing home sales price rose at an annual pace of 8.3% from the fourth quarter of 2011 through the fourth quarter of 2021. 8 point that's that's a pretty good annual rate of return. And the largest price gains over the preceding decade were where do you think? What's one of the housing markets that we always talk about that's seeing right now like 30% year-over-year growth? Phoenix. Correct. The Phoenix Scottsdale area reported gains over the purchase price, followed by the Atlanta area up 274. So they were really close behind. And then the Las Vegas area up 251%. So the report focusing on the middle class and every headline that I saw about this report was focusing on the middle class. So what did this report find looking specifically at middle income households. Nearly 980,000 middle income households became homeowners between 2010 and 2020, but the homeownership rate declined from 78.1% to 69.7% during that decade. And it should be noted that homeownership actually fell across the board, with high income homeownership falling about four percentage points and low-income homeownership falling two percentage points. So I mentioned headlines. And I saw a lot of outlets, won't name names, picking up this report. And the headlines that I mostly saw were, you know, middle income, middle class, losing ground, homeownership levels fall. And of course I get that. I mean, that's kind of unfortunately one of the main aspects of journalism is you write this kind of, You know, apocalyptic porn where, you know, this idea of the middle class is is, is dying out and the system is rigged and everything is so horrible. Those articles, those headlines, that clickbait, it works. So I get why people do it. But I want to dive into these numbers because I am someone who pushes back strongly on this idea that America is decaying that things are getting worse. The middle class is disappearing. People are poorer. I disagree with that entire hypothesis. And I'm not alone, thankfully. People who are much smarter than me are also looking at this and coming to that same conclusion, which I'd like to highlight. And this report, I think, actually backs up what I believe. So first, I want to focus A couple of years ago, three years ago, Mark Perry over at Forbes, he writes a blog called Carpe Diem, had a great blog post and explained why this idea that the middle class is disappearing and by disappearing, I mean falling into the lower class, that that entire hypothesis is wrong. He looked at Census Bureau data, once again, back in 2019, and found that, quote, America's middle class did start largely disappearing in the 1970s. So no one's disagreeing that the middle class is getting smaller, but it was because they were moving up to higher income groups, not down into the lower income category. And that movement was so significant that between 1967 and 2017, the share of American households earning an income above 100000 and by the way, that's in today's dollars. So it's not saying, I mean, obviously, as inflation takes hold, more and more people are going to be making higher incomes. But we're not comparing people that were making $100,000 then versus now. Of course, there's going to be more of those people. They're talking about in 2017 dollars which is how we categorize things, that number tripled from over, more than tripled from 9% to 29.2%. That's a big jump. It's a huge jump. And if you look at the lower class, that number got bigger, but nothing close to what we have seen happen when looking at this, disappearing middle class, the overwhelming majority are moving into the upper income category. And that's why this report was interesting to me. Because if you look at total home ownership, high income households increased from 16.4% to 29.8% in 2020. This was an increase of 11 Point one million households now what is odd is that home ownership for high households actually fell by four percentage points as we mentioned earlier during the same period so you look at that and you say wait hold on how is it possible that there were 11 million households formed who bought homes and yet the home ownership rate fell. Well, it's simple. More than 11 million new possible households were added to the upper income category, which I believe proves the argument that Mark Perry is arguing or is making looking at census data. That what's happening is, is that, sure, the middle class is getting smaller, but the overwhelming majority of that reason is people moving up to the upper income category. And I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not saying that everyone who leaves the middle class did so because of upward mobility. No, there are people who unfortunately have fallen out of the middle class and have become poorer. However, the data is clear on this. The vast majority of people leaving the middle class are getting richer and we should celebrate that. And I was very disappointed because I looked at those numbers and did the math and said, I mean, the, the overwhelming majority of home growth is happening in, in the upper income bracket. And they added so many more people and yet home ownership still fell. Because here's the reality. If you were creating 11 million new households and it was only the people that were already there then you would have seen the home ownership rate skyrocket among the rich. But it fell 4%. So that leads me to believe that there are that many more people who are in that upper income bracket. And like I said, we shouldn't be upset about this. We should be happy. We should be celebrating the fact. Now, we should be also looking at this from a policy perspective and saying, why are those people who are falling out of the middle class and getting poorer, why did that happen? and see what we can do to make sure that doesn't continue to happen but we also need to remember and celebrate the fact that the vast majority of people who are living the middle class are getting richer no decline in america baby not on my watch all right and this isn't the hopeful thinking i'm not saying like oh man i want this to happen this is happening this is what the data is telling us look at the data not the bloviators who want to pull on your heartstrings and tell you how horrible things are and how much better things were back in the day. There were great things about back in the day, okay? If I could go back to the 90s, I would, all right? I am a 90s kid. I loved the late 90s. Amazing time. And if I could go back time machine, I probably would. But I'll tell you right now, things are pretty awesome right now. Pretty awesome, and we need to stop acting like that is not the case. Now, obviously, we have some horrible things that are happening. We have inflation. We have a war breaking out. We have a war in the Ukraine. And, you know, we just got over a pandemic. So, okay, I get that. I, we didn't have that 20 years ago. Okay? I understand that. But I'm saying is that things are not as awful as everyone wants you to believe. Now, I told you yesterday that this was going to happen. I mean, anyone could have predicted this. I'm not saying like look how smart I am. <laughs> I'm the only one who thought that mortgage demand was going to go up. But mortgage demand everyone knew it was going to happen. We saw some we saw rates drop last week because of the turmoil in Ukraine and so because of that Well, mortgage demand went up. Across the board, refis and purchases. This data from the weekly Mortgage Bankers Association survey found that the refinance index was up 9% for the week, but still down about 50% from the same time last year. And purchases were also up 9%. That's awesome. Uh, But they're still down, of course, from last year, but only 7%. So purchase volume still hanging on. Refis, buy <laughs> even with the rate drop. And in case you're wondering, the refinance share of mortgage activity decreased to 49.5% of total applications from 49.9% the previous week. And that was the first time, I think it had fallen under 50% since like 2019, maybe, maybe 2018. It had been a while. And so uh, it's continuing to drop. And I have a feeling just another amazing prediction (laughs) that's going to continue to fall. Now, unfortunate global events have granted consumers a slight reprieve from raising rates for the week ending March the 4th. Because remember, the Mortgage Bankers Association survey is from the prior week, the Freddie Mac data that we'll be getting later today. That's looking at this week. So the Mortgage Bankers Association survey is always from the week prior. The average contract interest rate fell six basis points to 4.09%. This is still 83 basis points higher than one year ago. In the 15-year fixed, the average contract interest rate fell eight basis points to 3.39%. This is still 73 basis points higher than one year ago. Joe Kahn, the Mortgage Banker Association's Associate Vice President of Economic and Industry Forecasting, noted that rates fell for the first time in 12 weeks which benefited, as we noted, both purchases and refis, saying quote, "a six basis point decline in the 30-year fixed rate mortgage led to a slight rebound in total refinance activity with larger gains in government refis. Purchase activity also increased as prospective buyers acted on lower rates and the early start of the spring buying season, assuming they can find a home. That was my commentary, not his. He continued saying the average loan size remained close to record highs with higher balance loan applications continuing to dominate growth. And it's gonna be interesting to see what happens these next few weeks and months because later today, we're getting the latest CPI data and that number is supposed to increase From 7.5 to 7.9. If it comes in hotter and it's over 8, DEFCON 1. I will say that much. DEFCON 1 with regards to inflation. But we have all this global unrest because of what is happening in Ukraine, Russia, attacking Ukraine. How long could this last? We don't know. I mean, We obviously want it to end very quickly. We want Russia to stop doing what they're doing and get out of there and bring some sanity back to geopolitics. But we don't know what's going to happen. And normally when you're seeing this global unrest, you see rates drop. But rates can't drop because we're dealing with possibly 8% inflation. So we need rates to go up. And so I think a lot of people are just confused on what is going to be the dominating factor going forward. As of now, the Fed has said they're not going to let what's happening globally impact their decision on what's happening in our domestic economy. And I have to assume that that's probably going to be the case going forward unless something drastic happens, which, of course, once again, we pray does not happen. But we need to raise rates to deal with this Inflation, But like I said, normally when we have this unrest, the opposite happens. So what's going to be the dominating factor? I would guess inflation, at least in the short term going forward. And let's hope that this situation in Ukraine gets settled much quicker than a lot of people are now projecting. All right, you guys, enjoy your Thursday. Once again, inflation data, CPI data out today. 7.9% is the projection. If that hits eight, man, that is going to be the big headline of the day. No doubt about that. But try and enjoy your Thursday anyway. We'll be back here Friday morning for the best edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.